Hello, everyone, and welcome to Queen's Speech, the podcast where two old poofs talk about gender ideology and its impact on gays, lesbians, and whenever there's a R in the month, bisexuals. <laughs> Today, we have a whole smorgasbord of legal shenanigans to talk about, mm. which means I get mostly to sit back and just go, Ooh, you've missed a bit, while Dennis talks <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm doing all the hard work today. You, you, yeah. You're relaxing. Yeah. Makes a fucking change. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. So, um, we have a amuse bouche and a starter. The amuse bouche will be the decision about the conversion therapy ban, mm -hmm. which will now be appearing in the King's speech, but, and we'll get on to that. We've got a recent bonkers decision by a judge in South Australia. And Dennis will tell us all about that. Mm -hmm. Then the entree is the decision in Scotland that a man with a piece of paper from the government now counts as a woman for yeah. all intents and purposes. And then as dessert... We've got a rather silly case involving a non-binary Californian called Ryan Castellucci, who <laughs> has had a one-day hearing in the Court of Appeal, was that, Dennis? High Court. High Court. High Court. High Court. Mm. And we'll talk about all the details of that. So, mm. before we get started, Mr. Dennis, how are things with you? Yeah, um, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all good. Sort of winding down after quite an intense period of you know conferences and being on telly and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh -huh. I'm pretty good. Are you well? Yeah, reasonably so. I was up drinking with my husband until the early hours of this morning, and I've not had a great deal of sleep. So once this is done, I'm going to be going off watching Coronation Street and no doubt dropping off for a little <laughs> old nana nap. So good on you. Another uh, fun-packed day for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's start with... Well, first of all, let's start with the um, the decision about the conversion therapy bill. Do you mm. want to tell us what's happening with that? This is the... Just for clarification, this is a ban on conversion therapy that uh, Theresa May, our previous Prime Minister... Well, previous, what? third back along <laughs> prime minister who yeah. um who promised in 2017 to reform gender recognition and to ban conversion therapy mm. the uh conservative government has since dragged its feet over this for quite a long time at one point boris johnson said he was going to introduce a ban on gay conversion therapy and then after being pressurised by backbenchers and lobbying organisations. He said he'd go for a trans-inclusive ban. The complexities of a trans-inclusive ban meant the whole thing was delayed yet again, of further consultation, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it looked, to all intents and purposes, like this was going to be kicked into the long grass, finally. But Rishi Sunak has come to a decision, it seems. It is going to be included in the King's speech, but that doesn't mean it's going to become immediate legislation put before Parliament. And Dennis is going to explain to all of us why that's so. 
Off you go, Dennis. Um, off I go. Yeah, it looks we, we're taking all this from um, a newspaper story and today's Daily Mail. Um, so we don't have anything official from the government is the first thing to say. But obviously, the mail has impeccable links into the Tory party. And what it's reporting is this, that the bill will feature in the king's speech, but it's been downgraded, they say. And to cut a long story short, instead of it being announced and then a bill going to first, second, third reading, and then up to the Lords and committee and all of that in the House of Commons, it's going to go through a process it looks like called pre-legislative scrutiny. And the best way to describe that is, you know, you know, those um, American like Senate inquiries or congressional inquiries where all the politicians sit around and call evidence and mm -hmm. then ask questions of witnesses. That That is, in effect, what pre-legislative scrutiny is. It'll it, it, it that process involves a joint committee normally of the House and the Lords. And it is a joint committee of all the parties that are represented in the House in proportion, I believe, to their strength in the House. So it'll be majority Conservative, given the Conservatives have a majority, but there'll be a good watch of Labour people. There'll probably be some SNP people, maybe even a Liberal Democrat. I don't know. I don't know if there will be, actually, because there's only about four Lib Dems on there. Um, but it is a fantastic opportunity for those of us who are very concerned about this legislation, therefore to ask, ask to be heard by this committee and to go there and to point out, as we've often pointed out on this podcast, that the reason, the real reason Stonewall and their pals want this really dangerous piece of legislation is they want to make uh, or they want to prosecute doctors who don't accept a child's self-diagnosis or these, you know, these increasing numbers of children turning up at gender abattoirs saying, I am the other sex most of whom are autistic, most of whom have depression, most of whom have all sorts of, you know, all sorts of issues that kids just have these days. Um, that's what they really want. They want to they want to prosecute doctors. And this is a great opportunity for us to point that out, to say, look, you know, this is basically gay conversion therapy, what's going on here. 80 to 90 percent of the kids at the Tavistock are same-sex attracted, according to a 2012 survey which actually features in the nhs um, puberty blockers guidance like the nhs know this is happening they're not very curious about why it's happening and they're not doing anything to stop it but that's where we come in that's where we come in so good news good news we will hopefully hopefully we'll all be off at the house of commons at some point and trying to point out to mps that this is this is orwellian it's a trojan horse it's, it's designed by trans activists to frankly put little children in danger so yeah, that's what it is. Mm, yes, and I, you know, I believe that um, it's primarily about so-called gender-affirming care for minors, mm. which basically involves the use of puberty blockers. I can't mm. help feeling that, as I've said before in a previous episode, this will be weaponized against those trying to develop CAS-compliant services in yeah. the southern and northern hubs through NHS staff activist LGBTQ plus networks. So it's uh, it really does need some proper discussion in this way. Personally, mm. I think this is a delaying tactic and it would have been much better had he just said, this is not happening. 
because yes, it's good that this is going to be held up to scrutiny, but I wonder if this isn't just delaying the inevitable and putting it off until after the election so that then the Labour Party has to deal with the mess that this creates. I'm yeah, just I'm Could just be. very distrustful of the motivations behind this, I'll be honest. I guess the only ray of optimism I can offer is that this could be, the calculus from the government could be, look, if we don't do anything on this, Labour will come in, introduce a Stonewall-style ban, and that will put children in danger. So... If we, as the government, hold all these hearings, then the Labour Party is stuck with that evidence and is stuck with a public discussion of the potential harms of this bill. It'll go up the news agenda. It's going to be something that people talk about. And that means that when Labour, if Labour get in at the next election, which appears likely, if, if they come to legislate about this, they're going to have to do so in the full knowledge that they've had people like, I don't know, Maya Fostata, Helen Joyce, and you know James Essis or Stella O'Malley point out the dangers of all this. So that might be that's how I read the tactics of the government. So um, it might not be all bad. Okay, well, I you know I'll reserve judgment, I guess. But I'm very, mm. uh, I'm really, I'll be honest with you, I'm really fed up to see this being dragged up again, and. Uh, put into the King's speech when it could so easily have just been, as I said before, kicked into the long grass um, yeah. to the point where it then disappears entirely. Mm. I, don't, I know what you mean. I know what you mean because, you know, I do sometimes, obviously I spend quite a lot of time on this debate, and I do sometimes think, you know what, paediatric therapy and psychiatry, it just shouldn't be party political. We shouldn't be having arguments about this. Like, it doesn't matter if you vote Tory or... Labour or Lib Dem or what have you, you know, there, there's some things that are more important than politics. And one of those things should be, you know, we've got a bunch of autistic children, the main here, many of whom are going to grow up to be gay. No one should want them put in any danger. Um, so I, I, I do understand why you why you take the view that you do, Clive, because, you know, we, we shouldn't even be debating this really, should we? But here we are. I think we have to. Yeah, unfortunately we do, because this has become a highly politicised uh, area. It's become a very divisive issue, um, and it's seen as being right-wing to be against a cons conversion therapy ban of this kind. It's seen as left-wing to be in favour of a conversion therapy ban of this kind. I was yeah. watching, um, I was listening to, rather, uh, Bill Maher on trigonometry, and oh, yeah. he he talked about how everything has become politics, everything. He said he went to see, no, it wasn't him, it was Constantine Kissin mm. who went to see some juggling act. And right. before the act even started, this person launched into a diatribe about politics. This is, people don't come to see you talk about politics they come to see you do some juggling just get on with the fucking juggling don't bring yeah. your politics into it but there's so much of this crap going on this should be left up to doctors to sort out doctors mm. nurses therapists this doesn't require a politician but yeah. stonewall are the ones forcing this through mm. so they've polit they are the ones who've politicized it 
And now yeah. they're the ones who go on about, oh, you know, what's to discuss, blah, blah, blah. It's all so political now. It's like, well, you made it that way. Well, they they sent, they got a letter this week, Clive. I don't know if you saw that. Stonewall rounded up a load of sort of D-list celebrities, including mm. Alan Cummings and Ryland, for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, real real experts on the uh, in the field of child psychiatry, this lot, aren't they? To mm -hmm. um to say, you know, we want to ban now. Um, and it, we really are through the looking glass, aren't we? A, a gay charity and gay celebrities calling for a piece of legislation that would do active harm to young people who in the main grow up to be gay. Um, it's well, extraordinary. Quite. Extraordinary. Although I was rather encouraged. It was a pretty pathetic list of celebs, if I'm honest. It you know, was. Um, I would thought to myself five years ago that list would have been much longer and more impressive. I think Stonewall is interesting. I thought this is a brand that's in decay, actually. Yes, I looked at the, um, there were 24 signatories to this, not one of them with a qualification in anything yeah. remotely related yeah. to this. Seven yeah. out of 24 were um, Drag Race UK contestants, none of whom were actual winners of Drag Race UK, I You're should hasten to add. You're no, kidding me. Stonewall, no. what, Stonewall rustled up seven drag queens to sign their stupid letter, for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> seven drag queens. There was some, some bloke who's been on... Bake Off, and who's now a food writer. There was Great. <laughs> Alan Cumming, Russell Tovey, and um, some TikTok-type people on it. It was a pathetic showing. It's not exactly what you would call the bright gaze, is it? Like, it's not, I don't know, Douglas Murray or someone like that. Do you know no, what I mean? No, it's like no. it's like Stonewall definitely rounded up the slow kids, didn't they? <laughs> I mean, not even a single MP. No. So, yeah, yeah, there was there was not even not even gender gender finger jabber uh, wow. deigned to sign this letter. Not even yeah. any MSP deigned to sign. Not even the terminally demented Maggie <laughs> Chapman signed oh, this God. letter. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. a pathetic, pathetic showing. I suspect that what happened is they happened to. Um, capture anyone who passed through the office <laughs> to sign the letter, basically, yeah. and anyone that someone had their uh, Twitter uh, Twitter handle. It was really rubbish and very. Yeah. Um, it was heartening, like you say, to see that there were so few signatories and the low quality of them. I mean, one one of them was some ex member of Little Mix, for heaven's sake. What does she know? God's sake. Yeah, yeah. Move over, Dr. Cass. Little mix have spoken. Yeah. Yes. Never mind that never mind the fact you were chair of the Royal College of Pediatricians. We've got mm -hmm. a, a D-list celeb who's gonna tell you what's what. <laughs> yeah. Jade Thurwell out of Little Mix and that bloke off Bake Off, who's now a food writer, and seven yeah. drag queens who failed to win drag race UK. <laughs> <laughs> Charity and a partridge case. in a pear tree. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even get the non-binary drag queens, uh, Ginny Lemon <laughs> and Bimini Bonboulash, people who people might have heard of. They didn't even sign it. Do you know what? You know you're in trouble when you can't even get the non-binary drag queens, hey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, well, we'll find out what happens. Um, 
after this goes through. How long does the pre-legislative scrutiny last? Is there a time limit or is it potentially, you know, months and months and months and months? I think it's in the order of like a couple of months, but don't quote me on that. This is a really, really rare thing. You don't, you know, bills don't normally go through PLS. Um, they don't need to. Um I think it. I think it varies depending on how complex the legislation is. I mean, my my gut tells me that this is a couple of months, but it could be longer. We okay. shall see. We shall see. Now there mm. are other. There is other news, isn't there, Dennis? Of a freight show. Yes, perhaps more major kind. In that, um, a judge in Scotland handed down a decision, a ruling on an appeal that was led by four women Scotland over the meaning of sex for the purposes of representation. So yeah. we're talking about representation on boards of companies and what have you. When they're looking for a gender balance, who counts as a woman, who counts as a man? Mm. Um, as I understand it, Dennis, the uh, they went to the outer core, or is it the inner, inner. core? The inner. inner court, inner court, yeah. okay, which is a, a lower court than the outer court. Am I right in that? No, sorry, sorry, it's the other way round. You, you, you think about right. it. You, you start at the outside, then you get to the inside. So in in Scotland, the their equivalent of the high court is the court of outer session, and then you right. appeal from that to the court of inner session, and then from the court of inner session, you can appeal up to the UK Supreme Court. That's how it works. Right. Okay. So the decision in the outer court was from Lady Haldane. That's right. Yep. And she decided that a gender recognition certificate made a man a woman for all intents and purposes. Basically. So, yeah. yeah. So a trans <clears throat> woman would be protected under the characteristic of sex and gender reassignment. Yeah. For all purposes. That was yeah, that, thought that of. Was I mean, it was, it was a really strange judgment. Haldane said that legal sex is modified by legal sex. I mean, it's so we really are through the looking glass. Um, mm. But in any event, she she said the legal concept of sex is modified if you hold a GRC. And the reason she came to that conclusion is that the Gender Recognition Act of two thousand and four, which is a terrible piece of legislation that looks like it was drafted by a monkey on meth. It's so wide, it's so badly written, it uses the words sex and gender interchangeably, but contains the dreaded section nine one. Section nine one says if you get one of these certificates, you are your acquired gender whatever that means, um, quote, for all purposes. So she said, well, it says for all purposes. So sex in law means sex is modified by the holder of a GRC. But the Haldane judgment is quite unsatisfactory because she went on to say, well, there are some times when this wouldn't be true. Like if there was, you know, if you needed an intimate search in a police station or intimate care or something like that. But that doesn't really sit with what she said prior to that. Um, I call it the Haldane sliding scale. She basically said, well, you know, courts will just have to decide, won't they, oh, on a case-by-case -case basis when it does mean this and when it doesn't mean that. So it's a really – I'm not great – with very great respect to Lady Haldane, I'm not a great fan of that judgment for that reason and many more. Um, it also created the absurd position, which is now main maintained on appeal, <clears throat> that if you get one of these GRCs, because you are now the other sex, you lose all the protections associated with the sex 
that you really are. So if so, a trans woman with a prostate problem loses any protection in law if they hold a GRC on the basis of discrimination against them because they are male and say they've got a dicky prostate and they need to take some time off work, that sort of thing, you know? Um, right. you, could okay. see, you could see it's just mad. This. It really, we really are in the madhouse. Um, so, so, yeah, I'll bring it up. So, Sorry, go on. Uh, four Women Scotland took this to appeal, and that appeal was heard sometime earlier this year. Yeah. And yeah, the judgment correct. came out um, last Wednesday. week. Yeah. Last Wednesday, just after we had recorded the midweek special. So mm. uh, the Haldane judgment stands. Is that basically the... It basically does. But the... I mean, the, the, let me just try and do some headlines. Yeah, so for Women Scotland lose this appeal. The Court of Intercession holds in law that the wide drafting of the GRA in 2004... Is uh, had been interpreted correctly by Haldane because when Parliament came to consolidate the Equality Act, which it did in 2010, there was an earlier version of the Equality Act as well. Um, it, it Parliament could have, say the judges, it could have said in the bit where sex is defined, oh, sex means biological sex, and it didn't think to say that. Uh, I find that an extraordinary piece of judicial reasoning because back in 2010. No, nobody back in 2010 we knew what a bloody woman was right and we certainly knew what homosexual was and uh -huh. the act the act in section 212 in interpretation says man means uh, a, a male of any age uh, so man, men and boys and woman the opposite you know women women and girls which i think is pretty clear i think that is referencing biology myself but no court of intercession don't agree with me they say well they must have known that the gra existed and therefore they it must have been their intention but then they also say which is quite maddening they also say but look this is a really really political area i think this is paragraph 31 of the judgment and it's time for parliaments to act i'd say the judges know that what they are saying is hugely controversial here and hugely political um and but in, in, off they march off they march and they tell us <clears throat> yes sex means sex as modified by grc this has some pretty disastrous effects because um, in, in the first place, if you don't have a GRC, right, you are now prima facie not entitled at all to any single sex stuff from the opposite sex. So the other side of this debate are horrified by that because Eddie Izzard now has no right to go to the ladies, which he never did anyway, right? Uh, <laughs> that's like, Eddie Izzard isn't going to get a GRC anytime soon, is he? He's just, you know, he's an old-fashioned transvestite, but he, he now has no right to do that. So the other side are going up the wall about that. They're really unhappy about that because hardly any of them have GRCs. And, you know... I think many of them don't want them either because they don't they don't think there should be a gatekeeping mechanism. They think they should be allowed to go wherever they like and do whatever they want seems to be their political perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're all angry about that. We're angry for obvious reasons because the law now basically says if the state gives you a bit of paper that 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 makes you the other sex. Um that has some pretty disastrous effects um in the first place um where do i start well in the in the in the first place it's pretty bad bloody news for lesbians i'm afraid the court completely dismisses uh, a 
really, really important question Baroness Faulkner from the commission asked, because Baroness Faulkner basically said, look, if you change the definition of women and you've got, say, a lesbian-only, I don't know, therapeutic group, let's say, or, I don't know, a book club or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, a man with a GRC can now say, I am entitled to be a member of that, and you cannot discriminate against me. And Baroness Faulkner is correct because... Under the Equality Act, if you run an association, so the sort of things I've just described, you know, I don't know therapy, book club, hiking mm-hmm. club, you know, whatever, associations may not discriminate. They do not have the defence that you do have in goods in the provision of goods and services. An association cannot say excluding you is a uh, proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim. So it's if you are, and the qualification is your association has to have more than 25 members. So if I have a lesbian group now and it's got over 25 members, let's say, I don't know, I'm running a therapy type group. Yeah. Um, if a man now applies some hulking great AGP, you know, applies and says, I have a GRC, I have to admit him now. Right. So right. the definition definition of lesbian just changed. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, your lordships. Um, that just changed. Um, it's pretty bad news for, le- you know, it's funny, isn't it? It's always lesbians that get it in the neck first. We, where, where, stop me if you've heard this one before. This is rather reminiscent of the lesbian action group in Australia, isn't it? Being told by yes. um, judges. But presumably, presumably the same would apply to gay men as well. So if you wanted a gay men's encounter group that involved going off to, you know, a man camp and getting naked in the country and you had more than 25 members, if a trans man toddled along, you'd have to admit her. Yes, you would. That's correct. Um, You cannot discriminate against someone who wants to be a member um, because they are now in your sex class. So when you say this group is men only, they can turn around relying on this judgment and say, well, legally, I'm a man, so you can't discriminate against me. It's just mad. But there's That's something it. about you can have lesbian-only events, but not lesbian-only associations. Yeah. That's correct. So that's the distinction between associations on the one hand in law and the provision of goods and services on the other. Right. So if I provide a service, so I, so if I'm hosting a night, um, as you say, you know, I don't know, some, some sort of event, a lecture or a party or something. Or I a speed, can speed dating speed, event. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you see, don't you, that if I changed the speed dating event into a members only association, then I wouldn't be able to discriminate. That's the distinction in law. And the court didn't touch associations. And I've spoken to people who are very expert, because as you know, I'm just a humble criminal lawyer. I'm doing my best here, but it's not my home territory. Um, But people who are senior in equality law said to me, if you read that judgment as an equality barrister, that court is avoiding that question deliberately. Um, and it, right. it's, you know, it's an important question because lesbians have just lost a right. And it's not, you know, obviously we focus on the gay, lesbian, bisexual aspect. But it's not just lesbians. Women have lost that right. Right. OK. Any yes, woman's yes. association, any woman's association now has to admit men with GRCs. And, you know, let's. Let's not kid ourselves. In the main, that's the way round this is going to go, isn't it? 
because AGPs do have this tendency of going into female spaces. It's it's something that they do. It's something they get off on. It's something that I think you said in the past, Clive. It, it's like validation or something, you know. Um, yes, it that's, is. That's what's going to happen. And I, I wonder also, can if if somebody if a man turns up to uh, a women's association. Yeah, and says he's got a GRC. Are they able in law to ask him to produce that? Yeah, they are. You're allowed to. Um, you're allowed to ask for sight of it because otherwise he couldn't exercise the right that the court's just given him, could it? You know, he he he, right. he needs he needs to be able to show that. Um, the only circumstances in which liability and, and criminal liability occurs around GRCs is if you come into possession of the knowledge that someone has a GRC in an official capacity. So if you work in HR or something like that and it's on a file and then you go and tell someone. So it's a, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's the area where you uh, incur or you could be prosecuted. I I suppose the obverse to this is that trans so-called women without a GRC are men in law now. Yeah, that's right. So that's why the other side are spitting teeth about this. They're really unhappy because this is now, as you know, for GRC under the present regime, and even if Labour get in and change it, it will still require a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. And a lot of these classic cross-dressers, fetishistic blood... I'm so bored of these fetishistic men, I really am, but and it's straight men in ladies' clothes. Anyway... Um, they will not get GRCs. They've got no hope now under this judgment of, of you know going right. into the ladies. So they're you know they're all. And I believe that happy. one of those people spitting teeth is uh, glamorous lady lawyer uh, Robin Moira White. Funny you should say that. I'm just looking at a thread where Michael Foran absolutely dismembers him. <laughs> Robin Robin's really unhappy about all this, and. The thing with Robin is he's just not a very good lawyer. Like if you were up against him in court, you'd be happy to have him as your opponent. And Robin is now saying on Twitter, oh, the bit of the judgment that you've just talked about, he says that that is obiter dicta. Just to explain that, judgments come in. There are two flavors to every judgment. There is the ratio decidendi. That just means the question that was decided, basically. And then... If the judges go outside the central question in the case and say, this is a related area and I'm going to express an opinion about it, that's called the obiter dicta. And it's treated as persuasive and not binding. And right. what it means is if, you, if you've got a judgment against you, sometimes the way you defeat the other side using that judgment is you say, "Ah, oh, well, that remark is obiter. It's not ratio. Now, Robin is rather ambitiously trying to say, that the question of the definition of a man and a woman, which you might think was what the whole damn case was about, he mm-hmm. says that's obiter. That's obiter. It was just a passing remark by the court. <laughs> and yeah. Mike, Michael Foran is rather patiently explaining to Robin the point I've just made that, no, it's not really obiter. It was the central question in the case, you idiot. <laughs> no, so just just for clarification for our listeners, who is Michael Foran? 
Um, that is Dr. Michael Foran, who's at the University of Glasgow and is a serious intellect and expert on equality law. I like to think I'm a pretty good lawyer, but when Michael talks, I have real trouble keeping up with him. He has a brain the size of a planet. He's very good on this area of law. And he's on Twitter and he does very helpful threads about this area of law. So if you don't follow him, have a search for Michael Foran. He's really helpful and he'll explain the law to you. And I should point out that if you're a fan of uh, little stocky berry types, he's that. <laughs> yes, he is that. He is that. <laughs> Rather easy on the eye, I'm just saying. Yeah, all right. Here he goes. Here he well, goes. Certainly you know, easier on the eye than Robin White, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> go on. <laughs> I have to explain for the benefit of our uh, homosexually inclined male listeners mm. that, uh, yes, Michael Foran is a little, little hottie. So, um, mm. and he's got a brain the size of a planet. So he knows mm. what he's talking about when he schools uh, Miss Mister White about the, um, the the impact of this on uh, trans women like Moira Robin Moira mm. Robin Moira, who believes he is a woman. He said he said on some discussion that he was som somatically female. <laughs> yeah, he said that. He said that while he was doing a debate with Maya Fostata, and she just like raised an eyebrow. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and he said all that in a voice as gravelly as Paul Robeson's. So <laughs> it was very funny. He looks he he's been walking around. I've seen him on Twitter and he 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 uh he's been metaphorically walking around with a face like a smacked ass since this judgment came out. So it's, it's not yeah, it's, it's it, a funny thing about this judgment. It's please no one. We're all angry about it. It doesn't matter what side of the gender debate you're on, everyone's angry with the court on this one. <laughs> So the next step then is for FWS, for Women Scotland, to take it to the Supreme Court. Is that right? Well, that would be the next step if we're going to solve this by litigation, I suppose. Um, I think they've got 28 days to decide whether they want to put in an application to appeal. There's there's all sorts of points that arise from that. The first thing to say is that the, it's quite difficult to get a case to the Supreme Court. The test for the Supreme Court taking a case is it's got to be a point of public importance. Now, manifestly, uh, you and I would agree that the definition of a man and a woman is pretty bloody important. Um, mm -hmm. I, 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 but you never know. I have seen really good cases that do raise, you know, like big issues of criminal law. I've seen I've seen the Supreme Court refuse permission. Um, so that's that's the first thing to say. Permission is not a guarantee. Um, if they do go to the Supreme Court, I really worry that we're going to get the same bloody answer because Section 9-1 is so widely drawn. I, I, I do. It's not inevitable. I do think the Supreme Court could say, well, you've got to read Section 9-1 in light of Section 9-3, which is much narrower, and Section 28, I think it is, which is which is also limits the effect of it. This is, you know, the court could end up saying, actually, look, this is just mad. Um, but it's always a risk. Litigation's always a risk. But if they do go up, um, I, I think it will be time then for a, a number of our groups to apply to intervene. Uh, certainly, I would like us at Gaiman's Network to intervene just to address this association's point because it's not been adequately addressed in that judgment. And I think we do have a duty to talk about gay and lesbian associations and what this means for them. So that's the, that would be the litigation route. But litigation is always a risk. The other route is to do something about this by statute. And there's a big debate 
at the moment <clears throat> raging on gender critical social media as to do you repeal the GRA or do you amend the Equality Act? Um, both of those would achieve the same aim, broadly speaking, of bringing the definition of man and woman back to you know something approaching sense. And in an ideal world, I don't care how we bloody do it. I just want it done, to be honest. Um, I think for my own part, for which I've copped some criticism, but you know that's that's social media for you. Um, for my own part, I think an amendment to the Equality Act is more realistic politically, because you, you know if we look at the Prime Minister's speech to Conservative Party conference, quote: a "Man's a man, a woman's a woman. You can't change sex. That's common sense." Well, a court just said the opposite, pal. So <laughs> if yeah. you if you want if you want that to to mean what you say, Rishi, um, you, you need to amend the Equality Act. That also has the advantage of the other side often say, oh, you're taking our rights away. And I think if you say, I want to repeal the GRA, they they can say, well, look, they're, they're trying to take our, our rights away. Have, having said all that, I perfectly well understand. It's a perfectly sensible argument that lots of, lots of people make to say, look, the GRA is just a disaster. It's got lots of unintended consequences. Um, you shouldn't be able to have this fiction of legal sex because just look at the carnage that it's causing. So I you know, while I prefer, as a matter of pragmatism, amending the Equality Act, it is a perfectly respectable position to say this act has grown into a monster. And I think when people, the, the repeal the GRA crew who say that, I think they are absolutely 100% correct to make the point. Look, when this was passed in 2004, one, there was no consultation, certainly not with women's groups about this. GRA was in part drafted by trans activists like Stephen Whittle, for goodness sake. So they're absolutely right to say there was no consultation. They're also absolutely right to say, look, the idiots who, who passed this had no idea of the carnage it was going to wreak further down the line which which mm. it has which it has we can see that so um so yeah two uh, two ways of doing the same thing both perfectly respectable i mean i'm happy to flip a coin frankly love and i don't mind which yeah. one we do i would just I suppose, like, you know <clears throat> just like the law to make sense please <laughs> i suppose repealing the grc the gra sorry would uh, involve undoubtedly um it going to strasbourg to the court of human rights there it would, would put us thought. in breach of a judgment called goodwin there's um good goodwin says you have to have something like this but parliament actually went further than goodwin required goodwin was about marriage because let us not forget, you know, the trans lot got marriage before we did. Yeah. <laughs> that always makes me laugh when they say, we you, we were at the forefront. We got you your rights. <laughs> did you? <laughs> you, you? You got, got your own rights. first and yeah, then right. <laughs> and then just forgot about that until suddenly it was convenient <laughs> to latch on to the LGB community. I mean, this was um, this piece of legislation was brought in as a result of a human court a human yeah. rights court judgment and it was about yeah. same-sex marriage rather than legislating for same-sex marriage the government of the day decided let's make all these men women instead yeah, yeah. and yeah, now great. we're left because at the time it would only have it would only have applied to a small handful of people but yeah. now 
it's, uh, you know, there's been an explosion in trans-identified females, trans-identified males, and as you say, it's caused absolute chaos. So, whatever's easiest... Sorry, Clive, go on. Whatever's easiest, I'm in favour of. If it's easier to amend the Equality Act, and I suspect that probably is easier, uh, that should be the route that we take. I, I guess another point to make, though, is that this kind of demolishes the argument that a GRC, the the um, uh, granting of a GRC, is just an administrative exercise and nothing else, which I oh, believe yeah. was the Scottish Parliament's position. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've seen the famous interview with Owen Hunt and Ruth Jones, uh, sorry, Ruth Hunt, former CEO of Stonewall, and Ruth Hunt says, oh, it's just a bit of admin. It really isn't, Ruth. Not according it to really the court and one thing I will say in favour of repeal, repealing the GRA, Dave, is never forget that Nicola Sturgeon was going to hand out these GRCs like they were sweeties, right? She was just going to have a statutory declaration and, you know, mm -hmm. living in your acquired gender for two minutes or something. So the argument about repealing the GRA, I think, is contingent on how difficult it is to get a GRC, because if it's very easy to get one, then I can see, you know, I, then I think I could be persuaded to say, actually, this is ridiculous. And don't forget the Labour Party want to make it easier to get one of these. So as I say, it is a perfectly respectable argument. Um, there are there are some other points I should make, though, which are which is quite which is connected to what you've just said, which is that the Scottish government, as a result of this judgment, now inevitably have to lose the Section 35 case. Mm, so that's yeah. the that's the case in which the Secretary of State for Scotland stopped the you know on demand GRC uh, reform that Scotland passed. Now Scotland are challenging, and sorry, I should say that the basis for the Section 35 is the Secretary of State saying that the Scottish Parliament has overreached its powers. It is now delving into a reserved area which is properly the province of the UK Parliament, and that reserved area is the operation of the Equality Act. And the Scottish government said exactly what you just said, Clive, which is, oh, no, no, it's just a bit of admin. Well, they got, they can't really say that now because the Court of Intercession no. has said, in terms, no, this definitely affects the Equality Act. So this is a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, that, that, that gender recognition is now uh, reform, as they call it. So on-demand, hand them out like sweetie GRCs. That's now dead in the water that makes yeah. scotland i said this in a space the other night um and I, and i think it is important to remember especially for scottish people who get a bit downhearted with the snp and the capture don't get too downhearted scotland's the only country on the planet that had a sort of citizens rebellion against self-id in there's so many other countries like uh, most of the states in australia canada lots of american states there's so many other places where grs uh Self-ID just went through on the knobs, but not, not in Scotland. Scotland defeated it. And, of course, as we know, in Ireland, it was attached to the um, same-sex marriage legislation and brought in uh, under the counter, kind of. Yeah, so, Denton's. Denton's. <clears throat> it was yeah. snuck in. Snuck, snuck in. in. Well, I mean, the, the Scottish Parliament are still taking that to appeal, aren't they? The um, mm. Section 35 order. Yeah. I think their case is pretty much lost then, seeing yeah. as they can't argue this is just an administrative change. It isn't. It has real-life impacts, and it impacts on the Equality Act. So 
mm. their case is pretty much dead in the water, I would have thought. I think and the so. Whole, I think so. Yeah. And the whole process of gender recognition reform being legislated for is dead in the water too. Yeah. Okay. Well, kind of, uh, kind of an interesting judgment in that it's a bit of a curate's egg. There are good things and there are bad things about it. We should wait and see yeah. what happens subsequent to that. Yeah. Now, the next the next story we have is tangentially related to gender recognition, and it involves a person called Ryan Castellucci. Mm. Ryan Castellucci is an American man. He's resident in the UK and has been since 2019. He does something in tech. I don't know quite what. He identifies as non-binary, and he claims to have had surgery to create a pseudo-vagina while retaining his penis. Now, there's a video of someone obviously male with a full beard, also called Ryan Castellucci, talking about something tech-related that was just so boring. I could only last 20 seconds of it, and I can't <laughs> even remember what it was. But he's one of those <coughs> typical kind of... He's one of those typical techie nerdlingers of the kind that somehow end up identifying as a variety of trans. Yeah. He uh, comes from California. He's got a birth certificate from California, which records his gender as non-binary. And he's got an X marker in his passport. Right. Now, here in the UK, he applied for a gender recognition certificate, but found to no great surprise to anyone who could have advised him of this, that it only allows for his new gender to be listed as male or female. There mm. was some sort of back and forth with the GRC panel. And it led to this rather unusual position where for the first time in the entire history of the issuing of GRCs, his gender was listed as non, not specified. Right. <laughs> And the panel said this would have, quote, an uncertain legal effect. Hmm. Yeah. Well, he's found out what the uncertain legal effect is because he has had to fill out various official forms, presumably for like a biometric passport and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and they only require you to say whether you are male or female. There's no not specified gender open to you. So yeah. he's now decided to take this to the court. His solicitor, someone called Kate Edgerton, told oh, yeah. the I, uh, one of the grounds of the challenge challenges is there, I mean, she's talking about him. No, she's talking about the GRC panel here. <laughs> it's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> it's confusing. They're proposing to issue a certificate which has an uncertain legal gender. What Ryan wants is difficult for us to clarify his legal gender in the UK. We're asking the court to declare the legal meaning of not specified. So yeah. this um, this has gone to the court this week. Uh, he's had a one-day hearing in the High Court, and yeah. uh, we don't know what the judgment is yet. I find it very difficult to imagine that a, a court will be able to declare the legal meaning of not specified. And I think that's right. Uh, this has already been fought over in the courts, kind of. In the case mm. of this um, woman who, uh, Christy Ellen Kane, 
Yeah. She's a woman. She's got skinhead haircut. She describes herself as non-gendered. She's been doing this shtick for years, apparently. Um, and she wanted a passport with an unspecified gender recorded in it. She lost that at the High Court and the Court of Appeal in 2020. So I don't know to what extent this court case will draw on those decisions. Perhaps you have a view, Mr. D. Yeah, I, 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 you're right to cite that case. Um, I, I, I think the judge who granted permission, Mr. Justice Mostyn, prior to the hearing of the judicial review, um, <clears throat> noted that that case was relevant. There's the Supreme Court case of McConnell as well, which is that mad woman. Do you remember the one who writes for The Guardian who was whinging yeah. about something or other and wanted, wanted to be recorded as a father on a birth certificate, despite having been pregnant uh, i mean it's also mad all of this isn't it anyway mm -hmm. um yeah i, I when uh, mr justice mostyn granted permission for this one day hearing he basically said in that judgment there's no way you're gonna win this i think it's highly unlikely that you're gonna win but we might as well have the hearing <laughs> so um <laughs> I do think that um, Lady Justice Lang, who is hearing the case, is is very likely to come back and say, could you all please just go away and shut up? This is all, you know, in Monty Python, where they stop the stuff again, it's all getting too silly. It's all just very <laughs> silly. Yeah. I think that that will be the judgment of the court, which will right. say, look, you lot, um, the legislation's very clear. We, we as a court, are not about to invent a third gender because there is no such thing and there's no such gamete. Uh, can you imagine walking into court and having to deal with this guy and his stupid arguments um, all day? A lot of the arguments were, of course, immigration arguments, which I thought was a bit desperate because these, at one point his counsel was saying, well, you know, because California does this, then we have to do it. So, well, no, no, that's not that's not a legal argument. And then, and then he said, um, "Oh, well, they do this fine. It works in New Zealand." It's like, well, fine, go go and move to New Zealand then. You know, it's like, yeah. It's not, again, it's not it didn't strike me as a very strong legal argument that to say that we should just adopt the customs and practices of bonkers other countries. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this Californian chap who is wasting the time of the high court with these ludicrous arguments um i think he is going to lose i look forward to that and i do hope the court orders a massive great costs order against him <laughs> because it's just, it's just getting silly and how many times is the secretary of state going to have to be sued over this by these bloody attention seekers wasting all our time so you know nice indemnity costs order that's that's what i would like out of this case <laughs> well i don't know how long the judgment's going to take to come down because as we know with the lgb alliance versus mermaids that took six months before that uh... was really extraordinary though i've never had to wait that long for a judgment in my career and this this is that was a tribunal. Goodness knows what was happening there. Um, but this is, this is the High Court, and it's two very impressive judges on this. I would expect quite a quick turnaround on this judgment. I wouldn't be surprised to see it in the next 7 to 14 days. Okay, good, good. I should just point out, for the benefit of American viewers, that when we talk about the Supreme Court in the UK, these are not political appointees like they are in 
the USA. Yeah. They are the, the the judiciary is not a branch of government here in the UK. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, judges are not elected like they are in um America, I believe. Yeah, I mean in, in America they only elect the sort of lower judges who sit on right. you know, criminal type stuff. And then obviously for the US Supreme Court, they're appointed by they're confirmed by the Senate, aren't they? And they are mm-hmm. political. Well, they're not well, we know they they have political leanings, so perhaps if I put it in that way, but our, our judges are not selected in that way. They're selected by the Judicial Appointments Commission, which is an independent body which tries, you know, we, we try to keep politics out of our courts if it's all possible. Mm, not always yeah. easy, though, when you've got people going to court changing the legal definition of women or telling everyone they're non-binary. I mean, I do wish these people would confine themselves to lobbying parliament rather than trying to sneak in changes to the law through judges. I mean, I'm, I'm very mm. thankful that our judiciary in this country, you know, is one of the most respected on the planet. And our, we don't have really activist judges, generally speaking. Our judges are no. quite reticent, um, generally speaking, to get involved in all of this stuff. So that's a good thing. Yes, that's a good thing. And it would be unprecedented, as far as I can imagine, as far as I know, for the the courts to decide that yes, a third sex exists, because that's that's not what they're there for, surely. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Paint, painting your nails, to having silly pronouns doesn't change your sex. Ah, these people. I'm so bored of these people, Clive. I'm so bored of them. I want, I want my old life back before I just. Spent all my time fighting these boring, boring derivative people. God. Yes, it cannot be. It cannot be said enough just how boring these people are. <laughs> it's so true. They're so the earnest ad- and they're so oh. dull. It's like that woman. Did you see this week Stonewall? You know, while while lesbian associations are being outlawed and you know mm-hmm. the uh, definition of man and woman is being kicked to the ground stonewall started a campaign um about a a woman who thinks she's a who she tells us she's asexual for someone who's not interested in sex she certainly shows a lot of cleavage um she's always dressing up in sort of pseudo bondage gear for some reason and she reckons that asexuals have to come out in the workplace (laughs) because apparently we all talk about shagging in the workplace Mm -hmm. yeah um and they it's just confected all these problems that asexuals have, and and then apparently they face conversion therapy, which is uh, 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 they're so boring. So, I yeah, feel like but, I managed about twenty seconds of that video before I was just like, "Oh, shut up!" Yeah, I've heard her arguments before, so I didn't bother with the video. The reason why I came out as gay at work was because people assume you're heterosexual. And they assume that any partner you talk about is going to be of the opposite sex. And I just don't want to have that discussion with them when they make that assumption. So for me, it's important to come out as gay. Also because if I'm going to list someone as my next of kin, it's going to be my husband. So they need to know his legal status with regard to me. This woman doesn't want to fuck anybody, apparently, (laughs) won't have a sexual partner or a romantic partner. So what the hell is she wanting to come out as? Other than to be like, you know, 
tell ev tell the whole world she's asexual. Well, nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn. They don't care. And conversion therapy, the only thing I can be thinking I can think of that would count as asexual conversion therapy would be corrective rape of women who are identified by straight men as in inverted commas frigid. And that is already illegal. So what conversion therapy is she on about? Oh, God knows. These, these people are just tiresome, aren't they? Absolutely tiresome. But there you go. That's who Stonewall are building a campaign around. Absolutely <laughs> vital work that they're doing there. I mean, we're yeah. just we're just accessories <laughs> now to Stonewall. You know, they yeah. talk about the LGBTQ plus community. The LGB part of that, we're just like a handbag or a pair of shoes. Frankly, we just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just something to gussy up their outfit because they certainly do nothing for lesbians, gays, and bisexuals anymore. Well, People they actively always... actively work against our interests. The only reason you and I are doing this podcast, the only reason we had to set up gay men's bloody network and do consultations, the only reason any of us are in this is because of our own charities turning on us. Ah, mm -hmm. mad. Absolutely. Yeah. People are always, you know, the people who are fully immersed in the cult are always saying, what has LGBA done for lesbians, gays and bisexuals? Well, ask the same question about Stonewall. When was the last time that the uh, mm. that Stonewall stood up for lesbians? In fact, I think they were all but removed from their last annual report. So mm. ask that question of Stonewall. What are they doing at a time when the definition of woman is being changed so that lesbians cannot congregate in numbers greater than 24? God's sake. Yeah. They're going with some airhead model who claims that she's asexual and whining on about these rights that she's never really clear about what they are and basically co-opting the language of lesbians and gay men for her own purposes, languages like coming out, like conversion therapy. I'm so yeah. bored with these predominantly heterosexual oddbods adopting <laughs> our history as if it were their own. Before too long, people will be telling us it was asexual trans women of colour who <laughs> threw the first brick at Stonewall. Do you know what, Clive? You joke, but I reckon that's coming, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure it is. Your rights were won by asexuals. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, right. Well done, darling. Also, uh, well done. Yeah, that's right. We didn't do anything to achieve our own emancipation because we're a client class entirely reliant on other people. Uh, did, did, oh, yes. All we had so, to do... So homophobic. All we had so... to do was sit back and sip mimosas and, you know... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I style, wish the history was like that. <laughs> style each other's hair while That's we right. let trans women of colour lead the way. Just piss off. Piss yeah, off. Yeah. A yeah. lot of you. I, I actually saw, as I said before, but I was, it's worth bearing in mind that people saying trans women were at the forefront of the fight against AIDS. No, they bloody weren't. They were nowhere to be seen. Right. Yeah, no I, don't remember, I, don't, I don't remember us having a lot of friends during that time. No. Um, I certainly, I think I would have noticed a, a trans woman leading the way. I, what a grotesque rewriting of history that is. Well, um, the... when, when I think of the heroes of that, like Elizabeth Taylor giving evidence to the Senate, Elizabeth Taylor, you know, mm. was brilliant, 
brilliant when no one would no one would touch us no one was interested in us you know, do you remember all the newspaper articles oh, yes. about, like the gay plague and they got what's coming to them and all of that you know it was brave women like elizabeth taylor or princess diana madonna has always been good on mm -hmm. this funnily enough yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know let us not forget that was not a popular position at the time she didn't you know taylor in particular didn't do herself any favors she you know the republican oh. right wing weren't very happy with her uh, for that and it was people like that how dare these people rewrite the the history of who did and didn't stand with us because we remember <laughs> oh, yeah absolutely we're old enough to be to have been there princess yeah. diana single-handedly changed the entire conversation <clears throat> about aids simply by going to the london lighthouse or to the mild may one of the two i can't remember which one it was I think it was, and, I think it was lighthouse. yeah and and hugging a, an aids a person with aids uh, shaking hands with a person with AIDS, no mask, no protective equipment, just shaking his hand. That made an enormous difference. And it was for that, every, you know... every front page, Clive. Do you remember? It was every single mm. front page. It was on the evening news because people forget how you know the, the level of public knowledge and education about what was going on was was pretty low, and. What she did was considered dangerous by some people. It was considered that she put mm. herself at risk by doing it. It's, it's as you say, it is very difficult to overstate just how important that was. That, those images went round the world. Yeah, um, and as you say, it was a game changer. Completely, completely, and she was not a trans woman. <laughs> for the avoidance of doubt <laughs> for the avoidance of doubt princess diana was a real woman she was married to a man and she gave birth to two children so yeah, she was the old, old, old fashioned kind of woman as ricky yes. says yeah yeah not one of these newfangled women with with a cock and balls <sighs> uh, these people hey these people anyway yeah. on that note I think we are done for the day. We have gone through our four-course meal, and mm. uh, I feel replete. So good. Can I can I very briefly just mention one thing that perhaps we'll turn to next week when I've done a bit more reading about it, which is South Australia is apparently now mandating the use of preferred pronouns in courts. So that'll be really nice, won't it, for the next rape trial that involves her penis and oh some poor bloody woman having to use female pronouns for some guy who's getting off on language control. Um uh, so what I propose to do is I'll, I'll have a read into that and perhaps we'll discuss that next week, okay? Yes, definitely. Okay then, Mr. D, I am going to go and watch Coronation Street now and Lovely. you are going to go off and do something important and fancy, no doubt. Um, I'm going to write a legal letter and then I'm going to take my... <laughs> I know, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a real crazy life I lead. Um, and then I'm going to take my husband out to lunch. That's what I'm going oh, to do. that's nice. That's yeah. nice. All right, then. I will see you next time for the mm -hmm. next episode of Queen's Speech. Thank you to all our listeners, subscribers. Special thanks to the paid subscribers. You know who you are. If you mm -hmm. want to have a shout out on the show, please do message me on Substack because I would like to acknowledge your contributions. So we will see you next time. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye.